Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? All right, everyone, we are to the last communication technique. If you've been with me for the last couple of weeks, we're talking about disarming communication, ways to use communication to disarm, to bring the stress response, the nervous system, the energy levels back down because they're a little high right now with kids and, and spouses and partners and coworkers and all kinds of stuff. So we've gone through a bunch of communication tactics in the last couple of weeks. Today is where we're going to round it out and wrap it up. And our strategy today is stating your strong feelings. Why? Because it helps to shape behavior in a sustainable and natural way. It builds empathy, which we like. We love empathy here at the Behavior Hub. So there are a few things I want to talk about before we really talk about what does communicating your strong feelings look like and how does this really shape behavior? One, it's important to know that your feelings are valid. And even if you have strong negative feelings, kind of like intrusive thoughts, that's okay. We are humans. It's how we respond and react to those thoughts that matters the most. So for parents, for educators, whatever, it's easy for us to dismiss our feelings and put everyone else's above ours. We're caregivers. We work in a caregiving field. So it's easy to think that we're being too sensitive or we're overreacting. Um, or we don't want to hurt kids' feelings. We want to kind of like protect them and save them. And we do, we want to take care of them, but the best way that we can take care of them is by stating our strong feelings because we are our child's first teachers. We are the best teachers. If you are a teacher, you are a child's role model, one of their first role models. So if you model healthy communication by expressing your strong feelings, kids learn emotional regulation. They learn how to express their own feelings. They learn how to manage their emotions. That's huge. We don't do a lot of that because kids are exposed to more devices and they're having less interpersonal interactions. They're not gaining some of these skills. This is a huge one. Discussing how you feel positive or negative will build empathy, compassion, and bring you closer as a family unit, a school culture, whatever it may be. So many positive effects to this one. Okay. So how do we do it? When communicating your strong feelings, it is important to make sure that we are using I statements. I feel is almost the script that I default to all the time. I feel because if I start with that, then I know I'm not shaming. I know I'm not blaming. I'm not making accusations. I am simply stating how I feel. So we want to keep this conversation grounded in feelings. Let me give you an example here. I 
feel frustrated when I ask you to do something and you don't do it. When I ask about blank and you don't say anything. When I am ignored. Okay. I feel sad. That was the starter. You could well, listen to the second statement. I am upset and annoyed about how you have been acting lately. Do you, I mean, I changed my tone there, but if I didn't change my tone, I would have read them both neutrally. Do you see the difference between the two? One is stating your strong feelings using an I statement and the feelings word. Another is, is really almost shaming and blaming the child and kind of like saying, I feel this way and it's your fault. Do you see how one can be received well and one not so well? And do you see how one is maybe more appropriate and one is not so appropriate? So when you stick to I feel as your default script, it's a lot easier to avoid the shaming and blaming game because we, we, we do fall into that game a lot. In the first statement, we're kind of inviting them to the conversation as well. Like it's curiosity. There's, there's encouragement for them to kind of like say something back. Think about that. Reflect on it with a second statement kids are going to probably become defensive because they feel blamed and they're not going to want to talk and they're probably going to shut down. So it's important. Words are important. Language is important. How we use them, more important. So stick to that I feel statement and keep a couple things in mind. One, um, don't don't blame your child for your feelings. It's not their fault how you feel. We control our feelings. We are adults need to learn how to regulate our emotions if we don't already know how to do that. So when you say things like, you're making me feel bad, that's a blame. You want to avoid the language you are. You are is shaming. <laughs> you are is blaming. Um, and that's, that's going to destroy the relationship. So really focus on the feelings and accept the feelings that you have because a child may or may not have done something that you did or didn't like, but you control your response to it and you control your feelings in response to it. So don't blame them for the way that you feel. (laughs) It's why people that have impeccable emotional regulation, when, when people say really nasty things to them, they recognize that it's not about them. Typically it's about the other person. So they don't get defensive. They don't fight back. They control and manage their feelings and they immediately self-regulate. Another trick with this one is you can kind of compare at least for younger kids or maybe older kids too. compare your feelings to like the size of something, like how, how expansive or how strong are your feelings? Like I have the patience of a pea right now. If you kids know the size of it, it's pretty small. That's going to let them know, like, I don't have a lot of patience. Don't test me (laughs) without saying that. Or you can say, you're making me lose my patience. You see the difference? It's not so good. You are, again, not blaming and shaming. So we don't want to use those types of statements. But when you say, instead, I had the patience of a P or I feel like I had the patience of a P, it's about you. It's about you managing your feelings. It's not about them, even though you might feel that way because of them or because of their choices. You're talking about you. Avoid but statements. So many people follow up <laughs> something with but. Like they'll start out really well and they'll follow up with but. And I'm like, oh, you just negated everything you said that was positive. I feel upset by what was said yesterday. But 
if you had done what I asked, you wouldn't be having this conversation. Not helpful. The I feel statement is great, but negates it all. Avoid but. Just take but out of your vocabulary. Replace it with and, but, but don't use that second part of that statement because it's still not good. <laughs> but if you had done what I said, we wouldn't be having this conversation. That's blaming and shaming. We don't want that. Try to keep the, the, the <laughs> try to keep the conversation centered around your feelings. Know when and how to talk to your kiddos. There's a right and wrong time to kind of say these things. When we want kids to process how we feel, they have to be able to process language. When they're stuck in their emotional brains, too far into their emotional brains, they can't do that. So we got to get them back into logic and reason, and then we can talk about how we feel. Body language, tone, all of this matters as well. So don't shout across the room how you feel. Go up to them and look them in the eye and tell them how you feel. Um, most importantly, be ready to hear what they have, like truly hear what they have to say in response, even if you don't like it. Um, and don't be afraid to apologize if you overreacted or uh, you tried this and it failed. By modeling that, they learn to do that as well. And work together with them to find a solution to whatever problem you're dealing with. But know that when, and here's how this shapes behavior, when we state our strong feelings, it's basically sending them a message of, I do or do not like that. And based on that message, based on our tone, based on the words, it's going to tell them you're basically disrupting the relationship or you're improving the relationship. And that deeply, intrinsically, and biologically matters to them. Even if we feel like it doesn't, it truly does. So when they learn, okay, I did this thing and it made someone feel a certain way, especially if it's a negative way, I'm going to maybe think twice about doing that next time because I'm disrupting the relationship. I mean, they don't go that deep into it, into their psyche, but subconsciously their mind is, is, is thinking that. So it really helps to create empathy. It helps to shape behavior, helps to change behavior. Um, another thing that I will do is use language good and uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable. I feel good. When I let them know that I'm uncomfortable, that's when I remove my attention. I might say an I feel statement. I might say an uncomfortable statement. I feel uncomfortable and leave. Take my energy, take my physical body, and I'm out. Because that really gives them a moment to think about with themselves what their choices did and how it made me respond a certain way or uh, feel a certain way. So I feel statements, they're wonderful. And they, teach empathy and they teach emotional regulation and we should use more of them. Okay. Today's listener question. That's where we're headed next. What if children use really foul language? <laughs> it cracks me up when I hear this with like three, four or five, six year old <laughs> kids swearing in school. Okay. First of all, we're so worried about stopping the swearing and it's not appropriate. And see how I didn't use, but <clears throat> It doesn't help to just stop it. We need to figure out why it's happening. What's driving it? What's the need underneath it that it's hitting on? Oftentimes, foul or poor language is a way to get attention and it works really, really well, especially with grandparents or older generations. You want a young kid to get their grandparents' attention. Drop a swear word and it'll get it immediately. So try to bring your attention back to focusing on what is the need. Okay. The child needs some attention. Okay. This isn't the most appropriate way to get attention. So teach them the appropriate way to get attention. Oh, I see you. What is my attention? 
maybe next time you could tap my shoulder. Maybe next time you could write me a note. Maybe next time you could, you know, whatever solution you feel like is most appropriate. And then if that does or does not work, whatever uh, response you get, remove your attention. I feel uncomfortable when that language is being used. I'm leaving. I'll come back when another language is used. I'll come back, you know, when you've tried blank. But if they're using um, foul language, there's a purpose behind it. Figure out why that is and give them a better alternative to get that need met. Typically, again, trying to seek attention. So remove attention, give an alternative, figure out the need. That's your solution to dealing with foul language. Don't, don't get all emotional and hyped up about it. It's just a behavioral response. Yes, it's not an appropriate one, but it is still just a behavioral response. Stay neutral and focus on the educational component. Compete. (laughs) Compete. Making up words over here. And that means that we need to wrap up the show. (laughs) So try it at home tip. Less toys. Gosh, I can't remember the stat, but there's like 8.7% or something. I think it's even higher than that. I think it's like 13 or 14. We have a significant amount of the toys. It might be like higher than the number I'm thinking. We have a significant amount of toys. Of all the toys produced in the world, the US holds most of those toys, which is crazy to me. Um, Why this matters is because American toys especially really create and cause a lot of stimulation. The bright colors, the lights, the sounds, the music, all the stuff. We are already living in an overstimulated world and we add all these toys and it creates more stimulation and we become overstimulated and kids' brains become overstimulated. So reduce the amount of toys that kids have access to or are exposed to, especially can, can you go with more neutralized toys, more wood, more neutral colors, because really what kids need is like white space or creative space. And when you have toys with bright colors that do all these things and all these games, there is no freedom for creativity because everything is defined for you. Everything responds and reacts to the child. So try to integrate more creative-based, more open-ended play-based things like a, a box, a cardboard box. Could they color it, paint it, cut it, turn it into something like that could keep a child occupied for a long, long time. But instead of things like that, we just buy tons of toys and kids are just over, over, over stimulated. So I'm not saying don't have any toys. I'm just saying reduce the amount of toys to reduce the amount of stimulation so that kids can better focus. They can attend, they can listen, learn. All these beneficial things come from the reduction of stimulation. All right. That's it for today's episode of Returning to Us. Don't forget to try it at home tip, which is get rid of some of your toys. Donate them to them in need, to those in need. And if you have any questions you'd like me to answer, I'm happy to do so. Email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com or send me a text to 717-693-7744. And let me know what you learned today. Maybe pop a comment below or um, write a review. Let me know what you liked and what you didn't like. And I'll try to improve based on your feedback. And with that said, I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer. Thanks for joining me. And I hope to see you again soon.